It's been the dream of everyone who follows the world of the weird to come across an ancient spellbook and try to learn its secrets. And now, thanks to a library, you can do that online. And then we travel to Bismarck, North Dakota, a medium-sized town in a desolate state in America. But this town has had a string of mysteries cut. And then we travel to Bismarck, North Dakota, where a string of missing people, all seemingly unrelated, may point to a sinister conspiracy. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I really do hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome day. So I'm going to be taking a week off next week. It's my scheduled break. I take every 50 episodes, I take a week off. But I put the call out to my Patreon supporters. I asked them a question this time. How would you guys feel about me doing best of episodes where I'm going to re-release some of those classic episodes that you guys may have missed with a little introduction? And that's what we're going to do. They all thought that was a really cool idea. So thank you to all of my Patreon supporters who voted on that. So next week, we're going to have five episodes that are notable in one way or the other. Some of them might be my favorite episodes. Some of them may be episodes that I think could be more acknowledged. We're going to re-release the Golf Rumors episode, which has never fully been available on YouTube. The Golf Rumors episode. It's going to be a lot of the older stuff. Like I think the newest episode I have is like 120. But we're going to revisit some of those old favorites you may have missed. And if that... Seems to go over well with you guys, then when I take the week off, we'll do um, best of episodes. I think that'd be a really cool idea. Let's go ahead, though, and move on to our first topic. We are headed out to the internet. We're just sitting down to your computer. No need for a vehicle. Just walk over to a computer. Do it. I'm not going to continue this podcast until you're sitting at a computer. Okay, there you go. Thank you for following my instructions. I appreciate that. And you're going to go and you're going to search for a library. Type it in. I'm not going to tell you. You can check the show notes. What we are doing, I'm not going to actually read the address to you. What we're doing is we are going to Newberry Library in Chicago. So, bing! Now we've used, this has become a Magic School Bus episode, by the way. Now we get sucked into the computer, and now we're in the library. We're in Newberry Library in Chicago. We get mugged immediately upon arriving in Chicago. We're like, ah, should have stayed online. And get forced to the ground. They take our wallets. Run out of the library, and that was actually the librarian who was mugging us. Chicago is quite a brutal city. But we're here to find three books, three spell books. The Book of Magical Charms, that's pretty self-explanatory. You're like, hmm, I wonder what's in that book. It's probably full of magical charms. The other one was Cases of Conscience Concerning Witchcraft. That one apparently is... Should we or should we not hang witches? It's I guess in that book there's a story about a guy going, hmm, probably shouldn't have hung, <laughs> shouldn't have hung all those women. The book, that's what that is. And then the last book, it seems odd. Seems like an odd title for a magical text. And this is one of those things that you could be walking through a library. You could walk right by it and not even know it's magical. It's called the Commonplace Book. The Commonplace Book. So all of these books are written in the 1600s. They believe they were all written by the same two people. So they're written in a combination of old-timey English and Latin. The pages are all, like, worn out and yellowed and gross and stuff like that. And so Newberry Library, that rhymes. Why didn't I pick up on that? Newberry Library. 
Doesn't matter. That's nothing to do with the story. Just thought it was interesting. If I ever need a rap lyric, I'm like, yo, I'll take you to the library. Oh, and then I'll eat you like a new berry. See, uh, like it. I got, I got flows. Um, what was I saying before the freestyle started? Oh, oh, well, no, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, so these books at the library, right? Newberry Library has, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say that anymore without laughing. Newberry Library has these books. And they go, we need help translating these. Why don't we crowdsource them? They actually have a whole website dedicated to crowdsourcing translations. So I think this is something they've done before. But they have released images of all of these texts online. You type it into a little text bar at the bottom. So you can actually translate it in real time. And then all of the possible translations goes to a team. And they you, that way you just can't write you know like stupid stuff all day long. They all go to a team and then they figure out oh, this is probably the most logical one, or let's take this sentence from this one, this sentence from another one. And then that way the books will be available digitally for anyone to read. And people have already started um, translating a lot of this stuff. So this is some of the stuff they've come across. I love these. They're spells on how to get rid of a toothache. You're like, oh, that's awesome. But they require a dead man's tooth. Apparently you take the tooth of a dead man. Which, I mean, technically, you know, actually that raises a good question. How, How does a spell know if the dude's dead? Like, if I find a tooth on the ground, and the guy's still alive, would the spell work? If, so, do they do teeth transplants? Let's say that I die, and some guy really likes my tooth. So he takes his tooth out, puts my tooth in, and then throws his tooth on the ground. This is like, what is it, (laughs) the ship of Agamemnon or whatever, that philosopher's thing. If a living man puts a dead man's tooth in his mouth, and then throws his tooth on the ground, wouldn't the dead man's tooth in his mouth now become part of a living body? What if he took his tooth and put it in my dead skull? How would the spell, ten years later, know which one was which? But anyways, that's that's a thought experiment. Use that at your next dinner party. Hey, guys, guys, sorry to uh, interrupt the conversation, but I have a, a philosophical question for you. Let's say I find a dead man, and I need a new tooth. Also, they have a spell on how to get rid of the cramp, which is not like the awesome name for some new supervillain. It was like the old-timey name for menstrual cramps. So put away your... I know you just sketched out the cramp fighting Superman, this giant just uncomfortable force punching Superman in the face. The cramp is menstrual cramps. Apparently, you take some sort of rag and you just lay it on your thigh. So there you go, ladies. Try that out. And if that doesn't work, it's... Find a dead man, pull his tooth out, try that as well. Cheat at dice games. You're like, Jason, these are stupid. You're telling me that they have these magical texts that I can help translate, possibly in the world, and you're telling me how to cure toothaches, but I have to dig up a human corpse, how to fight a menstrual cramp, and how to... You know what? I'm wondering why... Here's a question for you. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Do superheroes like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel menstruate? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making a joke. I'm not, and I'm not riffing. I'm not saying like the Legion of Doom's like, hey guys, look out, Wonder Woman's menstruating this week. So she's going to be super aggressive. I'm not making a joke. In the continuity of the comic books, has that ever been addressed? Has that ever been addressed where you have Spider Woman or Captain Marvel? or Rescue, who's the female Iron Man, 
any of these characters, Wonder Woman, I already said, Black Canary, Magic, anyone, anyone ever said, oh, I'm, I'm, it doesn't have to be a plot point. I'm not saying that the point of the comic book was then Superman has to like fly around the world looking for a tampon for Wonder Woman. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, has it ever been addressed ever in the continuity? Because some of these characters have been around, Wonder Woman's been around for what, like 50 years at this point? Captain Marvel's been around since the 1970s, the female Captain Marvel. Magic's been around since the early 80s. All of these characters, I, have they ever once addressed the fact that they're like, my stomach hurts. Like, has that ever been? I, I don't think so. I honest, And it's not a huge deal. They never announced that when Spider-Man has explosive diarrhea. Like, th- there's bodily functions, but that's just weird now that I think about it. And I guess it raises the question, does Wonder Woman even menstruate? Like, being an Amazonian, I, she can have children, right? Like, I don't know if she's ever had a kid in, like, alternate continuity. But, I mean, again, you're going, Jason, Deanna Troy, did she ever have a... I don't know, okay? Maybe it's just, it's just kind of blowing my mind because... Like, you can look and say, yeah, Princess Leia probably has a menstruate. <laughs> I've, I've already heard the clicks of half of my audience just be like, nope. No, I'll wait for tomorrow's episode. This is way too much. Way too much. Yeah, I just wanted to hear about spell books. And now he's talking about, I don't think it's a shameful thing that women have menstruation or periods. I don't know why they don't mention it. But I guess, because it's just this natural thing that happens, but I guess that you... People don't want, people don't want to read about it. People don't want to have like Wonder Woman being like, after I defeat evil, then I have to go to the grocery store real quick because I don't like. Where would she even carry her tampons at in her costume? Like she doesn't have a purse. Her her plane is invisible. You would just see her flying by, and then some maxi pads just like floating where the glove. You assume the glove compartment would be. I mean, she flies an, an invisible jet. So I'm just, I I guess they just never menstruate. I guess female characters never menstruate. But you would assume, you wouldn't assume that none of these fictional characters ever go to the bathroom at all. Like Spider-Man is just full of feces from 1963 to today. He's never pooped. Like you assume those characters poop. So you would assume the female characters would also menstruate. But yeah, just weird. What were we talking about? Yes, spell books, spell books. Let's get back to spell books. Um, so, yes, <laughs> yes, you with me, you're done fast-forwarding, okay, perfect, you can also cheat at dice, don't fast-forward yet, I got some good spells, they also have spells on summoning spirits, Ooh. you can conjure up an ancient demon using this spell book, and it was all, like, really weird language, well, I mean, a lot of it was Latin, I thought about reading it on the podcast, but I couldn't make heads or tails of it. It also teaches you how to invoke the Seal of Solomon, which I should actually do an episode on Solomon, King Solomon. Biblical figure, and you guys are like, great, not another one of those episodes, but but he's, it's like, it's one of those things, like in the Bible, he's like, eh, chop that baby in half. And people are like, no, no, don't chop the baby in half. And he's like, I've I've done good work today. I found out who the real mother is. That's how people kind of know King Solomon. Wisest man, he's a big biblical figure. What a lot of people aren't aware of is that apparently he had a ring and a seal that allowed him to control demons. Like actual, like Satan, like fallen angels who who sided against God with Lucifer go to hell 
Solomon, King Solomon, somehow figured out to turn them into slaves and had them build these great works. And work, it's as slaves, they're like mining gold for him. Like, not like, go get me some gold, as Rioth, and comes gives him gold. He's like, Ball Bareth, you grab this pickaxe, t- put on this little miner's hat, and dig for five weeks in a row. And Demon's like, God damn it. That's an interesting story. I'll see if I can dig more information up on it. But anyway, so you too, if you have this book, if you can translate this section, or actually this part's translated, if you can just read it, you can invoke the Seal of Solomon, get some nice demon slaves. I'm not recommending doing that. Not, do not get a bunch of demon slaves, end up getting possessed and going to prison for doing awful things and saying, but Dead Rabbit Radio told me to. Don't mess with it. But I'm just saying that according to this book there, you can do it. But don't. Don't, don't, is what I'm saying, is I can already tell, but you guys are Googling Newberry Library, you're like, I need some demon slaves. Let's go ahead, but yeah, if you know any Latin or old-timey English, or you just want to spend a fun, rainy afternoon summoning dark spirits to completely ruin your life, or simply getting rid of a toothache, follow the show notes, you'll be able to go down there, or just Google Newberry Library. Actually, go to the show notes, because... When I went to Newberry Library, it took me a bit of time to find that actual section. If you go through the show notes, it'll take you directly to the translation part of those books. So, Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. We're walking out of Newberry Library. See you guys later. Librarians are like, <laughs> spending our money, throwing it up in the air. They're like, making it rain with other people's money. We're like, ah. So I don't have any money. I'm assuming you don't have any money either. You had, a, you had a second wallet. You go, I know traveling with Jason is quite dangerous. We've been assaulted. He's pushed me into piles of poop before. I got my second wallet. With, it's wrapped in a Ziploc baggie in case I get pushed into poop again. I'm like, awesome. So we are traveling. You're paying. We're traveling to Bismarck, North Dakota. So let's buy some private plane tickets. Like, Jason, can't we just fly commercial? Did I ever do the story actually about that guy, that minister... I think it was um, one of the big televangelists. And I don't know if I covered this yet. He said, I was about to make a joke about it. There was this uh, uh, televangelist minister who won't fly commercial planes. He had to buy private jets. And they asked why. And he said, because a flying, uh, a commercial plane is a tube full of demons. Like, that's where all the (laughs) demons fly commercial. So he needed a private jet. I should... I don't think I've covered that story yet. That's the story. That's basically all it is. Some weirdo saying something. And they asked him to clarify that. And he wasn't saying, like, everyone on a commercial jet is a demon. But demons always fly commercial jets. So it's one of those weird things. So anyways, he flies private jet. He has, like, two or three private jets. Anyways, we're flying private because I don't want to be stuck in a tube full of demons. You're like, considering we just talked about evoking them, definitely risk. So yes, you spend your life savings or maybe your allowance. I don't know how rich you are to get us a private jet. We're flying out to Bismarck, North Dakota. And we're going back in time. This is a really, really fancy jet. We're going back in time. That's why I cost you your life savings. We're going back in time to the year 1989. So so Bobby Brown is humping around. Ace of Base is a few years away. And we are in Fargo, North Dakota. It's February 26th, 1989. And there's this dude named Roy Hagel. He's 38 years old. He's from Bismarck, North Dakota. He's in Fargo. He's at a bowling tournament, and this is the last time he is seen alive, but not the last time he's ever heard of. Because on March 6th, he calls a buddy from Arizona. So he's in Fargo, North Dakota. Then, what, 12 days later, he's in 
Arizona, he calls up his buddy in Bismarck, his hometown, and he goes, listen, I've been to nine states in nine days, and I'm out of money, but, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna get back to Bismarck. I'm headed back to Bismarck. But he's like, okay, yeah, come back here. Odd phone call to make. Four days later, though, his car is found at Death Valley Monument. So the it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Death Valley. It's the place you don't want to go. We've covered it before. At the very least, it's a complete wasteland full of heat and vultures and buzzards and wily e. coyote and roadrunner. At the most, there's been stories of hidden civilizations underneath that. But his car is found there. He's not. They see, when authorities get to the car, the keys and his wallet are in the front seat. And as you see me steal his wallet, you're like, shaking your finger at me. I'm like, dude, I don't got any money, those librarians. I dig his wallet. We also see, because now we're there with the investigators, there is footprints leading away from this car. Now, what's interesting is the news reports don't say the state of the car. And I'm not saying, so the news reports don't really say what the state of the car is, as in, did it break down? Was it out of gas? Who knows? But we see this car and there's footprints leading away from it. And we and the authorities follow the footprints for six miles. And then just an arid desert. Nothing past six miles. Which is quite a long journey. I, don't, I wonder if they followed them on feet. Or if at a certain point they're like, ah, let's, let's go get the car. Let's just drive alongside these things. Now, the police were looking into this. There was one suspicious thing. He's never been seen since. The police are still investigating this. There was one suspicious thing. When Roy was a child, his father disappeared, came back, and then disappeared for good. Never saw him again. People thought maybe he was trying to emulate his father. Maybe he was trying to start a new life. And that may be true. If you do decide to leave it all behind and start a new life, don't start it in the direction of a desert. Don't be like, hmm, fortune is that way. And you're like walking into doom. Like, hmm, I wonder what's over the next ridge. It's a volcano. Like, if you're going to start a new life, start it in Iowa or San Diego or something. Never been found since. 1994, August 2nd. So he was from Bismarck. He was headed back to Bismarck. He went on this weird nine-state and nine-day journey. August 2nd, 1994. We're in the city of Bismarck now. Michelle Juleson. She's hanging out. She has a job. She worked at like a casino. She goes, hey, I got my little baby. Got my little baby boy here. I'm going to drop you off with your grandpa. And I got to go take care of some business. I got to go get a paycheck. And maybe I'll play a little dice. Maybe I'll go to the casino a little bit. And the little three-year-old's like, yay, I'll see you, mommy. I'll, I, you're not going to disappear, right? And she, mommy's like, no. That was dark. That was super dark. Baby's like, what does dark mean? And mom's like, just just ignore it. Ignore this, this insensitive podcast host and she takes the baby to grandpa and says can you watch the baby i gotta go pay up this paycheck grandpa's like yeah are you he's also has a baby voice are you going to come back or are you going to disappear and mom's like why does people keep asking me that i'll be fine but she's not she disappears she's never seen again and she's reported missing within hours like she says i'm gonna go do this paycheck i'm gonna go play bingo not cards not dice sorry i misspoke Totally did. And I'm sure right when I said that, people go, mm, mafia. Yep, she's going to get abducted by the mafia. 
No, there's no bingo mafia. There's no blue-haired mafia. There might be, actually. Actually, that'd be a good idea for, like, a really terrible comedy starring Melissa McCarthy, where you have this bingo hall that is, like, being run poorly. You have a bingo hall that's kind of, like, in disrepair. Melissa McCarthy comes in to drop her mom off, and she realizes, whoa, we can make a lot of money doing this stuff. Like, if we took a little bit off the top, but first... We have to make this place look better. So it starts off like a lovable comedy where there's a business, like there's a, there's like a bloodthirsty businessman played by The Rock in his first role as a villain. He's trying to tear down the bingo hall and Melissa McCarthy has to hold like bake sales, but like some stupid old woman puts a bunch of her son's weed in the brownie so everyone's tripping out. And then they hold like a bikini car wash. So there's like this montage of all these 80 year old women spraying cars down with hoses and stuff like that. And it starts off like a little rascals and that's not in the little rascals, but it's, (laughs) I hope it's not in the little rascals. It starts off as that type of comedy where these guys are trying to beat this businessman. And then about say 45 minutes, an hour into the movie, you're like, just just get back to the same people. About 45 minutes to an hour into the movie, The Rock admits defeat and falls in love with an old woman at the bingo hall. So, like, his character arc comes full stop. He goes, I don't know why I was trying to tear... My my great-grandma used to play here. Not, that's not the woman he's dating. That's not the woman he's dating. My great-grandma used to play here, and but I found true love with this 80-year-old woman. Everything's going to work out. And then the last half hour is Melissa McCarthy, like, becoming like straight up casino level mobster like chopping old people's fingers off if they can't pay their bingo bills uh just like dunking their heads and like hot jars of mylanta she's like how's your stomach now and it becomes just like this brutal the first hour you're clapping and laughing at like stoned old women in bikinis and then the ending is her like forcing old selling old women into sexual slavery and you're just like and it would be called, the movie would just be called Bingo! With an exclamation point. And the bottom of the exclamation point is a bingo number. So everyone's like, oh, this is going to be look, look like a total romp. And then it just ends with, and it ends with Melissa Mac- a shot of Melissa McCarthy sitting on a throne made out of bingo cards. And that's just, and then it just, there's no credits. The movie just ends. So anyways... <laughs> I make that movie, Hollywood. Make that movie. Anyways, Michelle Julson is missing and she's never seen again. They find her on August and that happened on August 2nd. On August 8th, they find her car at a comfort inn in Bismarck. And they they had been looking for the car from the beginning, and one of the detectives on the case was known for finding stolen cars like that. Like, just really, really good at tracking stuff down. And he said, I don't believe that car was there. He goes, I can't say for sure that we specifically checked that parking lot of that Comfort Inn, but I'm almost for sure that that car was not there on August 2nd. Because again, like I said, they started, they reported her missing after hours. Her car had nothing in it, except for a half-eaten gas station sandwich. And one thing the detectives thought was weird, they found scoria, which is like a pumice-type rock in the intake manifold of the car. So it's kind of like this car was driving in an area with a lot of scoria. There is not a lot of scoria in Bismarck. There is scoria in North Dakota. There's scoria all over. But an interesting place where there's a lot of scoria, Death Valley. 
And you're like, Jason, come on, seriously? These these missing people took place years apart. One wasn't even in the city of Bismarck. He was from the city of Bismarck. And there's scoria all over the United States. Why are you even connecting these two? It's kind of bizarre. Not to that, I say. November 16th, 1996. Bismarck, North Dakota. Now, North Dakota in 1996 had a population of 54,000 people. And I was looking at this, and they do have a couple hundred missing people every year. But the majority of them are found right away. And then there's maybe like 20 or 30 where the detectives have to do some sort of follow-up. And then these cases have never been solved. The story of Roy Hagel, the story of Michelle, and this story I'm about to tell you of Sandra Mary Jacobson and John Jacobson, her five-year-old son. She is headed to Bismarck to go to dinner with her mom. She's in a neighboring town. She's driving to Bismarck. And she calls the police in Bismarck. 911, what's your emergency? I, I was just driving through Center, Center, North Dakota. And I, 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 I saw a ritual. I, I saw a ritual. It, I mean, I don't know. It looked, it looked satanic. It, it, there's something wrong out here. The, I swear there's a bunch of saint worshippers out here and they were having a ritual and I saw them. And I don't know if they saw me, but I saw them. I'm not in center anymore. I'm headed to Bismarck. I'm going to go see my mom. But I think there's something bad going on out here in center. Now, the police go, that's really bizarre. And they say, why didn't you call the police in center? Why are you calling? Bismarck is 40 miles away from center. They go, why didn't you call the police in center? And she says, I don't trust the police in center. And I don't trust the police that are closer to them as well. I trust you guys because I think they may be part of it. I think there's a conspiracy, you see. There's a satanic conspiracy. I don't trust them. Sandra does have, according to articles, it doesn't go into specifics, but I think we can imagine. It says she has issues with mental health. So that could be she has full-blown delusions about things. It could be anxiety or depression. Both of those would be, and a whole plethora of other symptoms would be considered mental health issues. Someone who is constantly anxious or depressed would be listed as having mental health issues, as is someone who had schizophrenia or manic uh, or manic depressive bipolar stuff like that. It's all in that umbrella. So we just hear words like mental health issues, not necessarily mental illness. But when she got to her mother's house, her mom immediately could tell something was wrong with her daughter. and the that Which makes me think that the mental health issues are a little more serious than she just has clinical depression. But the mom realizes something's wrong with the daughter, and the mom says, we need to go to the hospital. Let's go to the hospital, just get you checked out. It's not going to be a big deal. Everything's fine. And the daughter goes, okay, we go to the hospital, but can I get gas? Put gas in my car first. The mom goes, sure. The daughter, Sandra, puts her five-year-old son in her car drives to go get gas. She is seen putting gas in her car. But all of that happened about 7.30. She goes to get gas. The mom's at home. 
by 10 p.m., she calls the police and says, my daughter and my grandson are missing. And again, let this and the story of Michelle be a a wake-up call for you. You do not, under any circumstances, have to wait 24 hours to report a missing person. That is not true. That is probably one of the biggest, dumbest myths that have ever come out of Hollywood, honestly. I think that has cost people their lives. It's a narrative device in stories to make the characters go out and search instead of having a massive police force do the search. That is an adventures and babysitting plot device. That is not real life. If you believe someone is missing, you can call police very, very quickly. It's not, you will never call up and the police go, you got to wait 24 hours. That is 100% an invention of Hollywood. And I think it's probably one of the most destructive myths out of Hollywood. She goes missing. The next day, her car is found at Centennial Beach, North Dakota. No Sandra, no John. And yes, Centennial Beach is at a river. So the cops get there, and they go, we're looking for this missing person. The mom said she had some mental health issues. She parked by a river. No one's in the car. They couldn't search the river at the time. The weather was bad. We're in November. It's North Dakota. And it's a raging river. And they go, if the bodies went into the river, we'll never find them. The car is found with a door wide open, keys in the ignition, purse on the seat. These three cases have all taken place seven years apart. We had 89, 94, and now 96. And they are all linked in quite a few odd ways. All the victims are related to Bismarck, Bismarck, North Dakota. All of the victims, one of the main things found about them is their vehicle. They're not getting snatched out of their house. Their vehicle is in a location where it normally would not be. All of them had items left on the driver's side seat. Two of them, specifically keys and purse wallet, where they carry their money. These articles, the the reason why I came across these three cases, these were written in an article called Missing Person Cases Are Not Forgotten. It was written by a reporter named Jenny Michael. She wrote this in February 22nd, 2008. And it's really the last recorded article about these three cases. I've seen follow-up articles on one of the cases or the other case, but only this article ever put all three of them together. Originally, I was looking up the story of Sandra Jacobson, and I found this article, and I was like, it's just a missing story. It has a satanic cult in it. It'll be interesting. And as I was researching it, I came across this article, and we start to see these connections. Coincidences? Sure. Sure. A woman who has a mental health issue sees a satanic cult performing some sort of ritual and has enough interaction with law enforcement in her area she doesn't trust them. She thinks they're part of the conspiracy. So right there you go, she's just having some mental health issues. But when we have a string of missing people who have these coincidences, who have these similarities, disappear off the face of the earth, never to be found, all with abandoned vehicles, all with items on their seat, all either headed to or living in Bismarck. I'm not saying 
I do, as a normal practice, I do not take to heart what people say in the throes of panic. And a woman's frantic 911 call while she's driving through North Dakota talking about seeing a satanic ritual and a countywide conspiracy is not something that you would normally put a lot of faith in. But when you have a total of four missing people, possibly connected, and then you have stories of a satanic cult operating in North Dakota, there's a difference between being afraid of coincidences and having a little bit of common sense. So if you live in the city of Bismarck, or anywhere in the middle of nowhere, be a little more careful. Because we don't know why any of these people disappeared. They could be completely random, completely unrelated, and just tragic circumstances. Or, they could have stumbled onto a dark secret in the middle of the night. They could have known too much. And they just had to disappear before they said too much. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>